I'm Jensen Bueller. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you're not already doing so, you can listen to us on SoundCloud and iTunes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, Quentin and I would really, really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and a review. Please. Please, please, please. Uh, it actually helps us get found in Apple's crazy search algorithm and ranks us higher and it just makes the podcast easier for other motorcycle enthusiasts to find us. So uh, a lot of value there. If you give us anything less than five stars, Quentin will personally show up at your front door and not give you a high five. <laughs> That's the penalty. We're not going to do anything mean. You're just not going to get a high five. I might do the, like, put my hand up and then as you go swing, I'll put my hand like behind my too head. Cool, like, too, too cool. Too cool for school. Yeah. You're definitely not going to do like the Top Gun high five. No, no with the back and the yeah, forth. the back. Oh, take my shirt off beforehand. <laughs> you know that now as an adult, like I realize, like you didn't, you didn't understand how lately homosexual was, that was. I didn't really understand. Not that what's there's going anything on. wrong with that. Not there's anything wrong with that. But the military probably had an issue with I'm it. I'm sure, they especially did. in the was it the 90s? Was no, it, was it the 80s? 1985. Okay, yeah. Think about the Ninja 900 yeah, that was yeah, strapped yeah, yeah, yeah. down to the. I should know better. Shame on me. <laughs> How did I not know it? And the movie was made based on the motorcycles that are in it. Jeez. Right. And it just make sure everybody knows, because it is an enthusiast podcast. If you watch that scene where he's all, yeah, he puts his fist, he does uh-huh. a little bit of a fist pump. If you look carefully, there's tie down straps <laughs> on the bike. <laughs> you, did you know that? Does he fist pump with his throttle hand or his clutch hand? Oh, that's a good question. I think, I think it's throttle hand. Like, I think in my it brain, must be. It must be. It's on Netflix. We're watching it. Afterwards. Yeah, we totally have to. But you, you just so you can appreciate that. Yeah. We, we got to get going. We got a big show today. Yep. Um, by the time this gets edited, which will be like three weeks from when it was recorded, <laughs> we'll be knee deep. <laughs> we laugh, but it's it's sometimes almost true. But we'll be knee deep in the ICMA show in Milan, Italy, where biggest show for the industry is term, in terms of uh, new bikes that come out for the world market. It's where a lot of major deals get done. It's pretty much my Christmas. It's your Christmas. Yeah. I was going to say that. I'm, yeah. It's a big deal for Jensen and Asphalt and Rubber because... A lot of people are paying attention. Everybody wants to know, what are the new bikes coming out? Yeah, yeah. we get a lot of news, shotgun data. So Monday, um, we will see, what is it? Uh, MV Augusta, Ducati, probably Yamaha. They usually do a pre-event release to get ahead of things. And then Tuesday is the first press day, and you'll see BMW, KTM, uh, some of the Japanese manufacturers, and then some of that uh, carries over into Wednesday. I, I get a little confused on which manufacturers do which day, but... It'll come on hot and heavy next week, and hopefully you'll already have this podcast queued up and you'll know what's going on because we're going to kind of break down uh, what we expect to see and what we know we're going to see at the show from each manufacturer. So um, it's going to be a laundry list. We're probably not going to touch on everything, but I think we're going to try and touch on the important things. Yep. Yeah. Give, it, give it our best. Yeah. And the good news is because we had the Tokyo Motor Show, we've kind of already done some of these. So we're going to refer you back to the Tokyo Show, I think. I think it's called episode seven. Let's do this in no particular order. Let's start with the Europeans. BMW just came out today, actually, with with a press release on everything that we we're going to see, or at least teasing everything we we're going to see. Uh, it's kind of oddly worded for 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 the Germans being very precise. It was very it was hard to tell if it was going to be five bikes or six bikes, but it doesn't really matter because we can kind of figure it out. We know we're going to see a new R model, which almost certainly will be the R nine T Scrambler. Yeah. So is that's that been the the unkept secret rumor? Worst kept secret. Yeah, it's it's. So they did a concept called the Path Twenty Two, I believe. Path Twenty Two. Yeah, I don't know where they come up with these names. BMW's got some weird concept names. 
Um, Somebody read Catch-22, and they're like, oh, I would just take the Path-22, because yeah, then it's not a Catch-22. Exactly. But it was at the Wheels and Waves, and it's basically the R9T, which is the last of the air-cooled Boxer twins. Uh, which is a, arguably the coolest BMW yeah. that they make. Yeah. And it's me. got a, well, and it's got a modular design, which is a huge deal. And and this is actually so. This is kind of why the scrambler is such a cool thing. Like obviously, scramblers are very hot right now. We got that retro heritage thing going on in the industry. But the R9T, it was designed to build other bikes. So it's not surprising that we're seeing a scrambler model come out from it. It's not surprising that we could see a, a cafe racer model come out from it. It's uh, it's very it much. It would in be the interesting space. to see. Sorry, it'd be interesting to see a distilled GS come out of it. Like if this scrambler is legit, not like a Ducati scrambler, which I'm not saying it's not legit, but I'm not saying you can do anything on a scrambler that isn't going to result in broken engine cases and right. You can't jump the thing. You can't do you. You're, it's not made for that. It's made to look good and perform well on the road. Whereas if you did the 9T well, they could maybe make it very GS like early GS. So early GS, yeah. Early, I, and I and I know that could be a compromise, but. It could probably work, even though I'm not a big fan of a 450-pound dirt bike, yeah. right? Whatever. It's it's. I could see it being a success and the distilled simplicity of that engine, right? It, it is what it is. Um, I think it, it, it's going to be one of those things where the, the market wants it. The market's demanding yep. it. You're seeing it with Triumph. You're seeing it with Ducati. BMW's got that platform. They've been thinking about it for a while. BMW's really like little Dutch boy. They're filling all these little cracks in their wall with these models. Like we saw it with the, the XR. Um, the S1000XR kind of fills that gap left behind with the GS. And uh, we see it with the R1200 RS, which is a very purebred sport tour. So, you, you know, they definitely have a yeah. lot of overlap between models right now. And I think the idea, I mean, the, the old business adage is it's better to cannibalize your own sales than let one of your competitors do it. And BMW is really latched onto that. I don't think they're leaving any room for a Ducati, a Triumph, a KTM to come in and say, hey, this is that bike that does this better. I mean, there's definitely, I think, good competition. And I think there's some ways you can say that there's a lot of models that do things better than bmw models but bmw has a response in every little segment uh, that we have in the motorcycle industry and i think good proof of that is the other bike that's going to be coming out the bmw g 310r which is that small displacement the, small, the single yeah so it's a 313 cc single roadster kind of bike it's um yeah it's I'm, sport looking it it's doesn't looking. it's not yeah. like it just look when you say uh what d define roadster for the audience? What are you calling a roadster? So that the only reason I use the word roadster is that's what BMW uses. Yeah, they for, called their quasi sport, quasi sit up straight, but you know with a sport intent, a roadster. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think where I can think of it would be like a pure roadster, because uh, it because it, it's weird because it's like that street naked street fighter. It's somewhere in between. I think it's just whatever you want to really call it, like like. What sounds better to you? It's market. It's marketing speak at the sure. end of the day, right? It's a standard. I'm gonna call it a standard. It is a standard, right? Yep. Yeah. The picture. It's got handlebars, the clamp on, not clip ons, but the a normal clamp style tubular handlebar, mm -hmm. upright seating position, but with graphics and, uh, you know, uh, mag style wheels, uh, not not spoked wheels, and it it has a, a zippy look, but it's not a Ninja 250 with fairings, right? You know, right. it might have cowling here and there, but it doesn't have fairings. I don't see a big difference between it and uh, the Honda um, 300, yeah. the CB 300, or or anything else that we've really seen in the, in the marketplace. Uh, what's it priced at? Did they say? No, we haven't seen any pricing. Okay. So that will all or come availability. Next week. 
All right. Uh, well, we might hear European pricing. I think the, it's going to take a while for the U.S. We can extrapolate, though, what it's going to be. It's right, going to be on roughly. the higher end of things. It's going to be around KTM price range. It's going to be like around the 390 Duke. Uh, How much is a 390 Duke? I don't even know. 45, 5? I think it's 5 and change. Yep. Okay. Which is a lot for a... Yeah. But... It is. But, but and that's the thing. So, so there's two things that are interesting about that. Did you see the photos that, that came out, the marketing photos? I, I only saw the the blasts that were in social media. I didn't really gotcha. see any. I didn't dig in. Well, you need to be doing your homework and reading Asphalt and Rubber on yeah. a daily basis. Shame well, on you. Well, that's what I saw, but I didn't like dig into each sure. photo. And one thing that frustrates me is if I click on the photo in Asphalt and Rubber and I want it to go to the story, mm-hmm. it just gives me a bigger picture. And I'm like, I, I wanted to see the rest of them. You know what you should do? You should try clicking on the button that says continue reading. <laughs> That's what you should do. No, no, the complaint you make is a common one. It's not something we can address with the way the theme is now. We've got a redesign coming that hopefully will fix it. I didn't mean to trigger you. I'm sorry. Let's focus on BMW. You're you're attacking my baby. I got to become a protector. (laughs) I got to be a big mama bear over here. But um, no. So what's interesting with the photos is it's it's how much how do I how do I say this? Not pandering to women, but they're definitely highlighting this as a bike for women. Crosshairs for sure. I think half more than half the shots show a female rider. And it's it's very much a lifestyle. Like, oh, you could come and your uh, your girlfriend could ride in the back, or your girlfriend and you could have your own bikes and, and go ride somewhere. And there's like all these shots of them out, like hanging out by this bridge. I'm like, what are you guys doing out by the bridge on your little motorcycles? A bunch of weirdos. <laughs> like, is that your hot date? You're gonna go sit underneath the bridge? But but whatever it is, like, it was very interesting that they're making this this effort or they're trying to pitch this marketing position to female riders. And you can tell like BMW is eager to get some some more ladies on their bikes and get them, I think more importantly into the BMW brand. Yeah. Starting start. And that with women will come youth in general, right? That if you get imagery like that, yes, you're going to, you're going to peak interest for women, but I think it also will just the youth in general. So it might even be people in their teens looking at these Mm -hmm. pictures. We're like, Hey, I might be able to afford what what is a brand? It's similar to the Scrambler and the Ducati. You get yourself into the Ducati brand, which is a high level at a lower price. And this one looks like because they're going to use BMWs, they're going to flex BMW muscle to make it cheap enough. Yeah. Um, so that it's attainable, potentially attainable. And it's a one license ready to go. So it's going to get just like tobacco companies, get them all the young, get them hooked, get them in the brand. You're, you're going to want to explain A1 again, because not, not a lot of yeah. people in the United States know. So so in tiered licensing uh, for Europe, you have the A1 license, and you have A2 license, and you have the full license. So the A1 license, it's it's probably more than we want to go into. We definitely want to do a podcast it's about just, this at it's, one point. It's down. age, right? It's, it's yeah, age it's, dependent. It's, it's age dependent. It's it's roughly 250 cc's and a certain weight and a certain power. Yeah. and. Um, it's a really hot button thing to to make sure that you have that kind of gateway bike. It's like a gateway drug. It is that gateway it's bike the same to get you concept. in here. It's the same concept. Yeah, yeah. And then um, obviously everything in Europe now has Euro four emissions and ABS brakes. So we'll um, that's the case here, obviously with the G three ten R. The other thing, the last thing I actually want to talk about was BMW. There's an electric uh, concept that uh, BMW did with the um, Technical University of Munich. Huh, okay. So, and it's uh, it's pretty obvious. They took a BMW S1000 RR chassis, stuck a bunch of electronic stuff yep. into it. Same bodywork, same, or similar. I mean, it's close enough. It's really close, if not yeah. the same. It's yeah. carbon fiber, though. It's kind of sexy. Ooh. Uh, so, I don't think that's actually... I don't think they're really going anywhere with that other than it's a concept. But even in that, in that in itself, I think that's kind of interesting. 
Yeah. The idea that, hey, we want to put this concept out there instead of, you know. Well, with BMW's cars that we were just looking at one the other day that I don't even know what it's called. The, the i. The i8? Yeah. It's, no. like, it's like 60 grand or the Well, i3. the one we saw that was local was the little boxy, cute little one, not the bitchin' speedy looking one. Oh, uh, yeah. That's the i3. I okay. So i3. And it was weird because it has these big rims, sweet rims, right? Probably 19s, 20s, something like that. And it had been cocked to the side because the person had parked. And the tire, it's like a 140 section tire. It was so skinny. But, Super you know, skinny. It makes sense. That's that's what they're going for. But it was weird to see that with such a big rim. And that's what they're... Yeah. So if BMW is that serious about electric vehicles, of course you could imagine them saying, eh, let's let's give this a go in the in the bikes, right? Sure. For forty grand, it's I mean I, I think it's a little overpriced at forty. Is that they, were they saying that's their target? That, oh no, no, saying, oh oh no, I'm talking about the i3. Oh, no, it's forty grand. The, okay. The BMW, so they're calling it the BMW ERR, the double R coming from the S. Er. The ER, which um oh I forget who said it, but someone one of the one of our colleagues was saying that doesn't that sound like error to you? I think it was Dennis Chung from Motorcycle.com. <laughs> it's like I just uh, read that as error. Don't mean the error. You're like eh, air on the side of electricity. <laughs> things mean different in English sometimes, which is funny. Like uh, companies like BMW actually spend a lot of time, like when they're coming up with sure, a vehicle name. I guess sure. BMW doesn't have to do it as much because everything's number numbers. Based, yeah. But like I know, like the Japanese, like they make sure like whatever word they come up with, like Integra, yeah, Acura Integra, like they make sure like that doesn't mean like dick face in Swahili <laughs> or something. You know, like it's it's there's a whole department that's in charge of that. Or well, to air is human. <laughs> well played well played <laughs> moving right along because i don't have time to respond to your silliness tonight uh let's talk about ktm so we'll talk we'll get our we'll get our germanic companies out of the way yep a lot of stuff coming down the pipe from ktm uh we got a you tell me what grabs you all right we got a parallel twin super duke 800 <laughs> not grabbed but go ahead i'm not gonna i'm reading your face and you're saying parallel twin i don't yeah, care whatever but no you know what KTM had a parallel twin 250 two-stroke in the mid-2000s that was racing against the world, right? I, I believe Anthony West, Ant West, was racing it at the time. I can't remember who else. Maybe Mika Callio. I can't remember. There was It was badass. It was one of the few bitchin' parallel twins that's ever existed. So, hey, they have a history with it. One, was, it a, you know? was it a 270 crank? I don't. I, I would assume so. Yeah. Shoot, even Honda's V-twin had a weird crank throw the two stroke uh the the rs250 had a weird crank throw yeah. i have one hanging in my garage it's odd anyway so they have a history with all kinds of engines in general they'll do just fine it is a let's face it for these types of bikes to have a thin um a thin chassis with a a good wheelbase you know the v twins have compromises and it usually ends up making them long and it makes them heavy it's complex right you have to have two cylinder heads yep the, the crankcases have to be more complex, whatever. So I, I see it. So in this case, you're saying it's going to be basically a GS800 slash uh, Triumph Tiger 800 fighter. Is that what you're saying? Uh, I don't know if it'd be a Tiger because that's more of a, well, tiger, the Tiger's an interesting bike, but it, that's more adventure. This is going to be kind of picking up. This is where I actually have a hard time understanding it. And uh, we'll see if the spy photos are true. But it's going to be like that Duke. It's going to be that kind of street fire roadster, okay. street naked, okay. standard, whatever right. you want to call it. Sure. Um, I thought maybe they were going to bridge the gap from the gargantuan, which turning out to be gargantuan, 1290 uh, oh, adventure man. thing. Seeing one in person, the bike is huge. But to be fair, it's all fuel tank. 
I I know, but it's gigantic, and yeah. it's not just all fuel tank. It's weight. It's heavy, right? Those nope. bikes are heavy. Well, I mean, they're they're heavy in the sense that all adventure touring bikes are heavy, but like it's 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 surprising that that bike will surprise you. We got to go down to uh socal and, and hop on some oh KTMs. i'd love to i'm sure it's yeah. very capable i know that i've ridden a 950 adventure it was wicked right. but bottom line is there might be an in-between the 690 enduro and that gigantor well, there, maybe there, there, there is so we, well there's the 1190 obviously but in europe they have the 1050 the adventure huh. 1050 which may or may not come to the u.s who knows I, I i throw up my my hands in the air when it comes to ktm usa because who knows what is going on and he's that. waving him like he just don't care right now he's he, he is waving him I just, I just don't know because, okay. because whatever we see at ICMA, you can almost just guarantee put like a three-year clock on it before it comes to the USA. Sometimes, like that's right. that's me being cynical, but yep, they definitely like to see how things respond in Europe before they bring them here, unless it looks like it's going to be a smoking gun sale maker. Even then, though, we've seen like with the Duke series, it took them forever to get the the RC three ninety and the Duke three ninety here. So KTM, <clears throat> as told to me by somebody that either works there or has worked there in the in the distant distant past uh is a dirt bike company with a major street bike problem yeah so they're having to sort themselves out i think i've i think i've said that on a previous podcast i'll reiterate it good luck to them i hope i actually like their products quite yep. a bit and i look forward to seeing what they have next week the more what else? the more and more contact i get with that company the more and more i'm happy about it and i think they know they have a problem I think they're. Yeah, I think no, they're that's that, totally. It. I think sure. they're on their step to that recovery. Sure. Like they hit the rock bottom. Yep. They've accepted it. They yep. got through the anger phase, yep. and now it's like, oh yeah, well we need to, you know, I expect to get a call in like three months, just like KTM being like, hey Jensen, we're we're really sorry about you know just everything, all the wrongs we did in the past. <laughs> we really like to if we can move on forward from here, and be a friend to Bill. Twelve steps. Twelve steps of recovery. Um, can't talk about the Duke eight hundred parallel twin without talking about the new Duke six ninety. So they got the uh, they built a new six ninety motor hmm. for the Duke. Hmm. Uh, I did not see that. Is that? Yeah, it actually. <laughs> this is kind of like the funny thing that KTM does sometimes. They'll grab like one of the German pub publications, like Motorrad. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Oh, it's a spy photo, but we'll let you take this prototype out and review it." <laughs> and it's basically a completely finished bike, but it's still got like the camo on it or it's near finished. Yeah, sure. And they kind of get that press generation. So I think, huh. um, I believe it was our friend Sir Alan Cathcart that went out and well, wrote it and wrote it the story. Okay. I could be wrong though, because it's okay. been a while since it came out. Because that's the thing. It's actually kind of been in the space before we even started this podcast. Okay. But the idea is that they took that 690 motor, which was a great little lump. They put a secondary uh, balancing shaft on it, so it's got rid of all the vibrations. Or and everyone I've talked to, including you know reading that article, it's just awesome. So that'll be interesting. good to hear. It's a necessary thing. Yeah, it was, so that'll be good to see. I've always liked that bike because it was nice and light. It makes like seventy horsepower. I think they actually got a good power bump out of this new motor, and uh, we can't wait to see the the official details. I think um, I think that is something that that will come to the US just because we've had the six ninety sure. here before. Sure. And uh, yeah, balanced a, a counterbalanced single is critical, especially for American highways, high speeds, lots of droning on the freeway to get to places. It it's a big deal, yeah, right? It's and good, then you can make more thing. power because you can have a balanced engine at higher RPM instead of worrying about breaking stuff, which happens. All good things. Yep. Uh, probably the last thing I think we need to get to uh, with KTM Super Duke Grand Turismo for sure coming out. Um, that's, the, so that's the 1290 Super Duke R, yep. which we talked about in the yep. last podcast yep. that I oohed and over and said, man, this would be a great touring bike. 
okay, well, they're doing it. So it's got the the big fairing with a windscreen and they're going to be able to put bags on it. And they literally just took that concept and, and ran with it. So they're going to be, de- that that will be part of next week's festivities. Yeah. My, my inside line on that, is, okay. uh, that's for sure. But, th- but that's kind of something we were kind of already knew. Like we saw the yeah, spy yeah, photos, yeah, sure. it's been out there. I think they actually did the same thing where they grabbed a publication and they test wrote it. It's not a big stretch for them to do that. No, yep. that was an easy one. Um, maybe we'll see an RC 16 concept because they're going to get back into GP in 2017. Um, and they've obviously been out testing their MotoGP bike with Alex Hoffman, uh, at the Red Bull ring. And that's been a big story in the last week or so. And, you know, that bike, you know, if we could just sidetrack for a second, you know, it's really interesting because it looks a lot like the Honda. Sure. They've got that same kind of air intake in the front, the underbrace swing arm. Um, the scuttlebutt is it's a uh 90 degree v4 with a, a screamer firing order like the honda has so they think they definitely took a long look at the rc 213 v and we're like okay how can we build on this and then obviously it has a steel trellis frame and yeah it's using wp suspension and which i think is the one of the more interesting things is that they would even even though it doesn't seem like a risk wp isn't a, a moto gp level suspension mm-mm, mm-mm. right it has or hadn't been so to i mean everybody's been on olin's now I can't remember when Honda finally relented and went back on back to or went to Olin's, but I think that was in the Pedrosa yeah. era. So anyway, a lot of motor, a lot of machines well, from Showa. It's either Showa or Olin's. So to have WP come into the space is of note. Right. And and Honda usually they usually stick a privateer or not a privateer or a satellite or actually, yeah, a satellite or a privateer rider on a Showa and Nissan yeah, setup just sure. to collect the deck. Because one of the things it's not so much that WP doesn't make MotoGP grade suspension or whatever. It's the data that comes with it. It's sure. that data set of like, okay, we've sure. been to these 18 tracks, you know, a bajillion different times on all these different bikes. We have yep. all these data points. We, we know how to get that setup going. We, we, it's the package. It's the service that they offer on top of the product, which happens to be quite good as well. Uh, my understanding is that KTM is uh, actively looking to poach a lot of Olin's technicians and Olin's people to bring them on board inside uh, WP to, to get that ball rolling. I know when I visited the factory in Austria uh, a couple months ago, you know, they're making a huge commitment, not only in space and resources and personnel, but you know, it, they're serious about this project. So that'll be very interesting to see what comes about. And hopefully we can get a taste of the street bike that they're going to come out with that's based on the MotoGP bike. And that's rumored to be about, 140,000 euros. No. But we don't know when that's coming out. Like, So the MotoGP bike is supposed to come out in the 2017 season. The street bike, it could be like 2020 by the time it comes out, to be honest. So you don't the you don't think the story about, can't remember which one of the head guys that said, we don't want to make Stuff super bikes. Stuff on Perrier. Yeah. yeah. So you don't think that holds much water? Well, I mean, that's when he announced it. So so I think I think that whole thing is very interesting. Yeah. Um. I think, you know, I think there there definitely is a discussion in Europe that I think Americans aren't aware of, of this idea that um, they're very timid. I, think, I know there's a very um, reserved approach from the European manufacturers on who was going to be the first one to break the 200 horsepower barrier because that's very much seen in the space as, as excess. And there's been talk of, okay, if we hit 200 horsepower, uh, you know, would there be a response from the European Commission or the European Parliament to, you know, enact European-wide laws that restrict how much horsepower you can have? Because like you already have like countries like France where you're technically only limited to uh, 100 horsepower. Yeah. 
you know, and obviously there's like workarounds and things like that. And it's kind of like, it's very French where you just, oh, yeah, we, oui, it only does a uh, single no spy. Uh. And you're like, Freaking yeah. Socialists. <laughs> I think they're all socialists if you're in Europe. <laughs> I know, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, thanks, Obama. <laughs> but, you know, so there's, there's very much that, that worry that, that we're building these street bikes or these super bikes for the street that are, just obscene. And that was the cover story that KTM was like, well, we're not going to build a super bike anymore because we think these machines are ridiculous and they should only exist on the, uh, on the racetrack, which is funny coming from a brand that says ready to race and has like all their commercials are like just dudes pounding wheelies down the street and being total hooligans. You're like, Oh, you're going to be the responsible brand. Really? When all your marketing material is like how much of a dickhole you can be on a bike on like a crowded public street. (laughs) All right. Interesting. (laughs) <laughs> it's like the pot calling the kettle black, but all right. Uh, mean, meanwhile, there's Ryan Dungey after doing a triple jump, flying through the air. You know, really, I, I, I'm sorry. I just motorcycles are dangerous things. That's what makes them so much fun. Yeah. So yeah, shut the fuck up. Seriously, just just keep making bitching bikes, please. Yeah, and that's the thing. And I think, but I think the bigger thing is I I don't think KTM was willing to get into the the super bike rat race where it's like every year it's whoever's got the most horsepower with the lightest sure. weight with the most electronics. Okay, that's the bike that sells a, a boat ton of, and the rest kind of linger around. And um, I think they're I think they're still reeling from the RC8, which yeah, did they not. Got, sell they well. got their asses handed to them. And I think a lot of that was their own damn fault. Fuck you know, yeah, you. It was show this concept bike and three years later you finally produce it but oh you're only going to make 50 of them and then the next year you're going to bring some over and then you're going to take like three years to get it to the u.s and by the time it gets here we've seen the design and we're kind of over it and oh by the way it's not very competitive compared to its its counterparts great machine i loved riding the rc8 at laguna seca had an awesome time on it yeah um i wanted one back in the day i remember calling up the local ktm shop and they were like oh no we don't we don't have that no we we why would we want one oh man that's I was like, how much is it? 18,000, 19,000, 20,000, something obnoxious at the time where I could get a 1098. I remember this was 08. Yeah. I was working at Motosis at the time. I was all excited because I like weird stuff. That bike was weird, right? 1098 came out. Awesome. You know, back to back at that time, back to the, the, the cool looking from the horrible looking 999 era. But it just was, it was like, well, there's a bunch of people with those. I want to go get one of these things. And I was like, it's 20 grand. Mm, and yeah, it was super expensive. Barely available, mm-hmm. and yeah, right. And you could tell the people. I mean, it's these dirt bike shops. To uh, bless their hearts, they just not into it, right? They they want to sell dirt bikes. Yeah. I get it. So now that's KTM's job is to try and figure out its dealer network to make it easier to try yeah. and sell those things. Yeah. But if they came out with a, you know, V four, you know, stonking, ripping, gnarly V four that makes two hundred horsepower. Yeah, I can see it's a that's an issue for some people in Europe, I guess. But that would be a great thing for them, I think. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's definitely. I mean, there's definitely a pushback in Europe, and I don't know if that's really the case anymore because you know we've seen the the new BMW S one thousand RR come out. We've seen the new RSV four. We've seen the Panigale twelve ninety nines, and like they're all hitting these horsepower numbers. The MV F four makes a ton of horsepower, um, and obviously the law hasn't changed and there hasn't been as big of an outcry, but that was the worry. And that's where that came from. And, you know, we'll see, we'll see if that, I think it's a little too early that we'll see something at ICMA, but it could happen. It's in that it could happen category, which is a good segue, I think, to go into Husqvarna um, on the, it could happen because 
we could see because they had the 401 concepts last year. Yep. And I'm not going to try and pronounce the names because they're in <laughs> Swedish and I'm Danish family, but like, like American Danish. Yeah. Like, uh, my right. mom speaks Danish. I don't speak Danish. She's Danish. Yeah. So it, uh, did you just call my mom a cheese Danish? <laughs> yeah, totally. Oh man. That's, we're going to talk Swedish about that. Swedish fish. I like Swedish fish. No. Oh, it's so tasty. Gross. Tasty little oh, guys. Our people have the worst food. Like like the things they do with fish. You just sit there and you're just you like, know what a Swedish fish is. It's a it's a candy. Yeah, yeah it's a candy. But okay. I'm, I'm thinking about like I'm like one step ahead of you. Fisk, I'm right? like, oh, like it Ugh. that's just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, okay. Oh man, you should you should talk to Amelie about horrible Swedish food when you go back to work. Yep. Um so I don't I, we could see a production version of 401. The rumor was that that was gonna be a 2017 bike, and I know. Husqvarna is very serious about bringing those production, but I think it's just, again, too early. And it's KTM dictating a lot of that, right? Well, they're very much Husqvarna trying to become its own brand. Those are going to be the first kind of, we've made a bike that you don't really, well, even then they're still like 390 Dukes, to be honest. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Right now, I think a lot of it yeah. is KTM positioning and deciding how, well, what they're going to make that. I think we talked about this before, but you, you know how long it takes to bring a bike to market. You yeah. know, from from... The very first pitch of like, hey, we need to build a street bike. Yeah. What is it going to be? To the you know finished product, it's released in the customer hands, and that's three to five years, and it's still pretty fresh for KTM buying uh, Husqvarna. So, uh, I guess we're going to have to wait another season. We hope, we'll probably see some cool concepts. That's the one thing I'm really looking forward to from that brand is some concepts that are going to give us an idea of where KTM is taking Husqvarna as a brand and how it's going to be different from the KTM race orange thing that they've yeah. got figured out. Sure. Um, so that'll be interesting. We'll see the 701 Supermoto, but they already had the press launch for that. So that's kind of old news. Um, very disappointed and didn't get to go, but not surprised since, you know, it was in Europe. 701 Enduro, that'll be its debut there, but we've already seen that in the space. In fact, Asphalt and Rubber wrote the story on it. Air high five. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I think I think the big news from them will be some interesting concepts. Hopefully, they give us an idea of where they're going with that brand. Um, that out of the way, you got anything to add? Nope. Let's get into the Italians. We're yeah. way knee deep into it. I really want to talk about. It. I almost left it out of the show notes. We got to talk about the Bomodas. Do you see those? No, I didn't. Oh, uh, I saw the tease of the of the naked slash cafe slash Tessie. The Tessie 3D Race Cafe. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw the teaser stuff. I didn't see any no. major pictures, right? There's nothing no, out no, yet? No, nothing out yet. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so first off, Bomoda cluster. So oh, what's the, the, you know, you know, I saw there's rumors. I'm friends with a bunch of people that are Bomodophiles. Yeah. And they're all boiling at the yeah. idea that they're going to come back, but they're going to try and come back at a, at a small amount of volume so that they don't have to pass all the emissions and all that crap. Ah, what do you think? What's going on? I got, I got a lot of skinny on that. Actually. Ooh, skinny. Yeah. 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 Uh, I know a guy or a girl or a person or both. They're, they're, Oh, see, if you say they're a both, then like that's going to narrow it down really quick. You know a hermaphrodite. Do you know how many hermaphrodites in the motorcycle industry? Like three of them. Yeah. You know, and sure. and two of them aren't even like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to finish that thought because I yeah, don't know where no, it was going wanna, and it wasn't going to go anywhere I good. I don't want to hear about how much you know about the hermaphroditic motorcycle industry. California. Don't be so suburban. Come on. <laughs> Gay, straight, hermaphrodite. It's all the same Bad, now. Right? All God's children. All God's children under the sun. Um, so, so Bomoda, Bomoda, let's just front, front load the fact that the BB3 was a 
pretty much a disaster for the company. BB3, which was the S1000RR based. Exactly. Super bike that they were going to try and race. And, well, they, you know, they raced it. They did it at Isle of Man. I think they're going to race it at Macau. Uh, and I think they did race it at Macau. But they're doing some like road they, race stuff. They took a bike that worked. They did a super bike. Yeah. Decently in the BMW S1000R and they didn't improve upon it or barely improved upon it. They, that's the thing. So for the, for the enthusiasts listening, Bomoda started because in the seventies, Japanese motorcycles had wicked engines and absolute shit chassis. Yeah. Just shit. Flexi flyer, poorly designed, poorly built, badly implemented, great for street bikes, not great, decent for street bikes, bad for racing. So for anybody racing a superbike, when the superbike series started, that was a, a, a Suzuki GS1000 or a Kawasaki Z1, they would have to brace the crap out of the frames and do all kinds of modifications to get them to not basically be rolling pretzels as they were uh, trying to put their massive horsepower down. So Bomoda started with that, where they were taking existing engines and making bitchin' chassis that, that could handle the horsepower and that could tie in the best tires that they could possibly get at the time, which still weren't that good, with an engine that was powerful, whether it be uh, uh, Japanese manufacturers and eventually got into the, the Ducatis in the 80s, right? So I just wanted to make sure everybody understands that because not a lot of people know what Bomoda is and they only see it as expensive Italian things and they don't understand that it's B-I-M-O-T-A and I can't remember the name. I only know Tamburini, who was the designer of the 916, the designer of the MV Agusta F4. So Anybody that knows what a tambourini design is, that he's the TA in, in Bomoda, and I can't remember the other two names. So um, there's the there's a quick quick Cliff's notes of 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 a Bomoda. Do you have the names? Yeah, it's uh, Valerio Bianchi, Giuseppe Mori, and Massimo Tambourini, as you said. Got it. So there there's where they were. So in the over the course of the 80s and 90s. The bikes got better. Japanese manufacturers figured out how to make chassis, beam frame, aluminum frames, extrusions, etc., and they got good at it. And then it it rendered Bimota's. I'm not saying redundant, but it was difficult for Bimota to improve upon what was what what they were doing, right? What the Japanese were already doing. So the, a lot of the bikes that came out were kind of redundant, but they just look cool. They look cool, and they were really neat or trick or sexy in their own way. And uh, that's why some my, people like myself and a lot of my friends got into them just because they're so cool, right? They just look, they had the, yeah. they had the style, the sophistication, but they weren't the other Italian brands, right? They're even more higher echelon than a Ducati. Right, right, right. And they had a lot of trouble with the Due and that kind of, uh, that well, was kind of the, the downward spiral. We why they went south. There's, there's a lot yes, going on there. They and made a two stroke just because you touched on yeah. it. They built their own bespoke two-stroke engine, a 500 twin, and it was not good. It, it was poorly poorly built, yeah. poorly implemented, bad Super deal. bad fuel injection. I think it was the first time using fuel injection. Yeah, and then they the had the, the carburetor. And I ended up working on both versions of them back in the early 2000s. It just, I'd rather race my 125. My Honda 125 was a better motorcycle than a Bimota v Due by like a factor of 10 right? That's how bad those things were, but they're rare and exact and interesting. So if you see somebody, it, it, dude, it was like riding a CR 500, just a paint shaking 
horrible thing and it just looked cool that was about it yeah so so i think to to, to try and nip this in the bud a little bit the bb3 not as bad as the, as the Due, but um kind of like that where you know obviously they spent a lot of money developing this bike they went into world superbike racing they didn't meet the homologation it was a whole kerpluffle and um i think the bigger issue was like the bike didn't have the sex appeal that that you came to expect from bimota and it was just very vanilla and yeah, how are you going to improve upon a BMW designed S1000RR that just had so much engineering behind it and, and you know, times have caught up with Bimota on its engineering prowess. And now there really are exercises of supreme Italian design and it just wasn't there. And, and this is also around the same time that the new owners came on board. And so the backstory up to the, the current time frame is that there were coming into financial hard times, looking for some investors. It was, there was maybe some talk it might get sold. And now it seems like they've, they've brought up enough money internally that they won't need to sell it and that they're going to try and go forward as it is. But they're very much going to get back to, I said the, in the story, I said back to their roots. And obviously the roots are in the Japanese bikes, but the modern roots are in these Ducati-powered motorcycles. So they can get back to using an uh, engine source from Ducati and and hopefully making the the more bespoke uh beautiful rolling pieces of art that that we've associated with bimota pretty much throughout its entire life cycle and unfortunately we can't ignore again we it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of bimota but one of bimota's critical design pieces was called the tessie you know italian for thesis and it's a hub center steered chassis so yeah. it does not have forks yeah telescopic forks so they made this i can't remember the year 90 91 92 somewhere around in there and it was trick uh a very good friend of mine named bruce allison has one i had to do a full service on that sucker about 10 years ago it took me 24 hours to dismantle it because it was based on an 851 engine oh my gosh anyway that is what you're looking at now that was so special and so interesting and, and their derivatives have gone. So the the virus, V-Y-R-U-S, there was a derivative of the Tessie that was that. Yeah. And I think those are Bomoda, ex-Bomoda engineers yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, there's a tie. So now they're coming out with the, they're, they're, they're saying, okay, we can, th this is our mechanical signature is to make this very special bike. We're going to use whatever Ducati engines. I don't even know. Is it air-cooled, water-cooled, whatever? They're going to use the, probably the, the tried and true, whatever they had been using right before they went south, and make a bike that's has that, but isn't all uh, covered with fairings and is more of a cafe racer, right? Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what that looks like because you know I kind of feel like they're hopping on that like hipster thing, but like you've got this crazy bike with two swing arms and it's just it's a very radical motorcycle in itself and bimoto's always had like a very radical styling behind it so you like see them like oh we're gonna get this like probably hand stitched leather seat and we're gonna sure. put this you know that round kind of classic headlight on it and then it's gonna look like you know space balls below <laughs> you know um your shorts is not as big as my shorts right. schwantz schwantz schwartz no schwartz. 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 I we went, can't I say schwantz. schwantz we gotta be careful with the schwantz man oh uh, uh, don't look at my schwantz no one tell kevin schwantz about that mess up whoopsies okay um so we'll look forward to that next week we'll look forward to that next week i think that'll be interesting the other bike they're coming out with they're calling a hyper naked it's called the i'm gonna my italian is not good impetto which um in italian 
translates to impetus. Hmm. I don't know how they come up with these names, but um, I'll be curious to see what that bike looks like. I when- saw a picture that somebody had put, again, one of these Bomoda freaks, friends of mine, to posted a bunch of pictures that were taken inside the factory. Yeah, one yeah. of them had a, a, a knobby tired bike. Yeah, there's so, been that's the DB10, DBX, I think they're calling it, yeah, and it's like I an enduro. I had never really paid enough attention to see it, so they're, yeah, maybe they're doing some derivative of that. Well, that's the thing, like you say, hyper naked, and like this is like always a hard thing too, especially with Momoto, because like they're, you know, I don't want to say anything bad, but like you know, their English, their Italian to English doesn't always work sometimes. Yep. they're like one of those manufacturers where it's like you really need to get a native American or not native American, but. Native English speaker. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be like, oh, you got to speak American. You got yeah, to speak. The, yeah, yeah, you can sure. be British, Australian, South African, Native American. <laughs> yeah. You know, it all. It's all good. <laughs> but you know, you get like a someone who speaks English as their first language to do some of the stuff because the way like like from them saying hyper naked, it could totally look like a hyper motar because they use the word hyper in there. Yeah, sure. But I would expect some sort of street fighter roadster coming back to that fun word. That's yeah. like the word of the podcast, roadster. Yep, roadster. Um, so figured out that title for that. Mm-hmm. Boom, write that down. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it'll be interesting to see what that entails. But the cool thing, uh, is they're going to have a supercharger kit for any of their liquid cooled Ducati powered <laughs> motorcycles. So, so the hyper, so this, so this, this impeto, impeto, yeah, will, uh, it's got the, the Diavel motor in it. So it's already pushing 162 ish horsepower. Really? So then you're going to slap on the supercharger and get like, I don't know, 180, 190 horsepower out of it yeah. and be silly. Ish. So that could be interesting. Okay. And then obviously it's, it's something fun that they can sell to current Bomoda owners. Yeah. And then they're also offering the BB3 as a kit. Ah. So that'll be. So you have your S1000RR. It's, it. It isn't worth a whole lot. You're like, meh, right? Yeah. I think I'm just going to turn it into a Bomoda. Yeah. Here's my kit. Yeah. Okay. And what's the other? There's another, oh, what's it called? It's called like the Bomoda Experience Package. So they got all these little packages and kits they're doing. And that will give you the um, carbon fiber frame and swing arm. So there's lots of options here to kind of trick out these bikes, which I think is good because I think that brings that back to Something different Bomoda can do in the marketplace, especially when it comes to building unique chassis. Artisanal. And we can call it artisanal, artisanal oh, motorcycling. Is it free trade? Is it organic? It totally. Non-GMO? Totally. Gluten-free? The problem is, is that it's not local. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they're making those those frames. That'd be interesting. Anyway, well, that, that's a whole... That's I a would whole imagine it is in the Motor Valley, right? Being where Bomoda is in Rimini. Uh, yeah. Any, you know, they have... They, they don't have to go to freaking South Africa to BST to make carbon. That area is carbon, 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 sure. right? For Formula the, for, for One. Our Formula, yeah. Ferrari Formula One. Mm-hmm. And the whole Motor Valley feeds that. So Yeah. Um, so we move on to your favorite brand? Uh, which one's that? We got we got feedback. They're like, why does Quentin always talk about Ducati? And I go, I don't know. Gee, I wonder. I, I don't know why he's so into it. No, I don't know. Because you just bleed red. Right. Well, you can tell that... that that's a story we should tell some one of the podcasts. Why am I uh, so deeply into Ducati? We can we can talk about that sometime. For Just, sure. I mean, full disclosure. I think we're we're, we're both kind of Ducatisti. I got two in my garage. I'm about to have three. Yeah, and I have a few myself. So you know, and I have for now fifteen years. So I'm yeah, yeah. I, I'm in it. Yeah. Right. I yeah. I love the brand for sure. You're, you're full on 
You're going to get... Yeah, but I'm a motorcyclist before. Yeah. I'm a Ducatista. I always get it confused. Ducatisti? Ducatista? Yeah. I mean, I'm not really. Whatever. I am a motorcyclist. I like motorcycles, right? If you put a gun to my head right now, it'd probably be one of the Hondas in my garage. I'm not going to lie. So, you know, I, I, whatever. The bottom line is, yes, I'm very enthusiastic. So, let's talk about what do we got. Yeah, I think, I don't, I mean, obviously Ducati, Ducati says they have nine new models coming out. And I'm doing the quotes in the air on the new because. I think you should see him. He's waving his fingers yeah, around. I think, I think a lot of that's going to be kind of the bull new graphics thing. But we know we're going to get a 959 Panigale. You know, gonna get a and displacement we're not expecting boost, any major thing to be other than it's just yeah. going to be a. The, the the spy photos make it look like it's exactly the same. I'm sure there'll be something, something will be some hook beyond just a yep. displacement change. Same goes for the hyper you think that, motard. But, but you don't think they're going to make an S or an R version of the? Yeah, they could. It would make sense. It would make sense. And and before we kind of got into what that was, that was kind of the feedback I was hearing. There there is a gap currently in between the 899, which there's only one model of, to the 1299 base model. You could stick something in there. I think there's a really, really strong case for a 959 Panigale S to debut as well. It would make it would make total I sense to me, or or an R or a sure, Corsa or sure. whatever you want to call that silly yeah. thing. I, I will say there's that a, that would make sense to me. Just from a business perspective, you're, the whole idea is to fill underneath the demand curve, and you've got a hole right there now. You should put something there and fill fill the hole. So that wouldn't surprise me. The Hypermotar 939, I'm sure we'll see a base model and an SP model, and maybe we see a Hyperstrata model as well. So that maybe, could be. Maybe, but I don't know how well those sold. I don't know either. To... But it's it's so easy to make. You know, you just put on the little luggage thing. Like you basically just are putting Ducati performance parts on you're, it. But and you're thinking it that even. it's going to be a real similar. I don't think these bikes are going to be that similar to the model that you I own. I hope not. I hope not. And I think they're going to be fairly different. I'm going to be honest. Like, so, you know, we just prefaced how, how Ducatisti you and I are. Um, I'm like sitting here looking at Ducati's 2016 lineup, looking at the, uh, from an enthusiast perspective of, you know, what sex are you going to sell me here? Like, that's what I always loved about Ducati at Eichmas. There's there was always something there that got me like super excited. Where's the beef? That's what I remember. Super that. Legera or, you know, the yep. new, uh, well, the multi came out, the hyper came out. Like there's always like something you're just sit there going like, like what's going to be best in show. Cause that, that's actually a thing at Eichmas. They, they go around and it's, it's super biased. Never seen. I think the only time a non-Italian machine won like best in show was like, like the 2004 R1. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like literally, like, yeah. but it's always, it's always a Ducati. Sometimes it's an MV. Yeah. I don't think Aprilia even gets the nod that often. It's, it's, it's totally like bought and paid for kind of thing, like old handshake kind of sure. nonsense. Sure. But like, I'm kind of sitting there like, okay, so what's going to be the best in show for Ducati? Cause like, you got to bring, you got to bring the heat. Cause uh, we, we've talked about that. X Diavel belt driven feet forward cruiser thing. Yeah. You're like, yeah, it doesn't mm -hmm. really. Nope. There's no sploosh when I talk about that. I'm just kind of all dried up about it. Yeah. And then like the Scrambler 400, but it looks like the old Scrambler. And I don't know. So there is some rumors of an adventure Multistrada or like a more off road uh, focused Multistrada, which could be interesting. I, 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 I'm going to reserve judgment until I see it because I, again, I'm not as excited about it. Because yeah, it, well, so the video that they just released today. Right, and that's like it, you the don't red, black, pop. I forget, like, they had like four words they were uh, describing it with. I, I don't, all I know is that there was enough imagery off-road yeah. where I think they're going to have an Blasting adventure. Down a trail. An adventure version of the multi. Um, 
What that means, I don't mm, know. Yeah. My knowing what I know about the chassis on these bikes, and there's a major problem is putting a 21 inch front wheel on a yeah. Ducati. Not a lot of space up there. Is a difficult thing because as the as the suspension compresses to full, the front wheel would hit the hit the engine, hit hit the front cylinder head because it is a quote unquote L twin. The cylinder the, would it hit the cylinder head or the radiator. Well, both. Either or. Either, right? Because that was the issue on my hybrid when we took it off road. Put the TKCs on it, which are obviously taller than like your sure, normal street sure. tire. Fully compressed the forks and bent the radiator because of it. You know, kind of my fault for putting it on a taller tire. But you can see like these engines make space issues, and this is actually one of the things that the Ducati MotoGP team was getting running into, having that V twin in in an L v- configuration. V4. V4. Sorry, V four. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, in that L configuration, where like now they have to rake it back so it's more a true V. I, I hate that whole argument, but we'll use yeah. it because it makes sense. Yeah. And that V is very much what Honda is using and because yeah. they also have shorter cylinder heads sure. and it's a whole the yeah. whole thing. But it's a thing. So in the in the Ducati realm in the nineties, the uh you would see these cylinder heads machined at the top of the horizontal cylinder, which is the one that points forward, right? You'd see the machine and you're like, huh, I wonder why they did that. You were not thinking about it. You're looking through the fairings, and it could be, I think it was on a 916 or 748 the first time I saw it. Then I, I saw a race bike come in with tire marks on the cylinder head, and it's tough to get your head around because you're looking at this structure, this trellis steel frame, and these forks that are 50 millimeter uh, diameter uh, on the inside, and you're like, how the hell can that possibly bend? But sure enough, and on, at great braking force, all that stuff bends back. It's amazing how much uh, these chassis flex, right? So that was that's the that's it. There is your spot where you have to. You can only make the chassis so much uh, shorter because you're going to run the thing in at full. So that's what we're looking at for the Multistrada. If uh, if anything, it's going to be uh, somewhere between. I, I mean, the the industry standard seems to be like if you buy a V-Strom, if you buy a Triumph Tiger. I don't even know their sizes any longer, but they make 21 the 800 and the 1200 800 12. They make 21 yeah. inch front wheels on some stuff, yeah, they, but not everything. Then it's a 19, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's pretty common. We see that all throughout the industry. And if they did that, yeah. I'm not gonna lie, it would blow my mind, right? Having taken a Multistrada off road with TKCs on it with 17s, you can do it, it works just fine, but you run into ground clearance issues pretty quickly. I crack the engine cases on my Multistrada. Uh, mobbing it with you know with you and Ray uh, mm-hmm. out in the Mount Hood National Forest. We were doing some jumpy jumps though. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, the jumpy jumps are happening, but you know, uh, it's the the bike's not made for it, right? It's just not. It's not suited for it. It's great to do it. Right. It's fun, uh, but the the current multi. So I this the bike that I was I'm talking about was a 2014 model. Um, you know, I accordion the exhaust. I, I turn the the rear cylinder had exhaust into an accordion, right? Because I was mobbing it a little bit too hard. Made it home, no problem, but I had to take the engine out and have the cases welded. So are they going to make a bike that's that, that can withstand that? That could have d- done the same thing without getting... Maybe. You know, you get a little ground clearance with a little bit bigger of a wheel. Maybe they're doing something with the rear suspension. It's exciting to think that they're going to do something like that. But all I can think of is that the 15 model is heavier than the 14 model. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to brace it and build it up more. Any, There's no way, right? right. They're going to have to do something. So if they do that, it's going to be even heavier. 
Ugh, you know, and that's already a big jug of a motorcycle. Is it? But it's still probably going to be lighter than a GS. Unless they go the other way and it's a ground-up design, which I don't expect. But throw that out there as a possibility and you build it purpose-built for that. The, the, the thing for me will be interesting to see is, um, you know, let's call the Multistrada like uh, a 90-10 uh, yeah. motorcycle yeah. you know like 90 percent on-road 10 percent off-road agreed you know is this going to be an 80 20 or is this going to be like a 50 50 it's not going to be you know? there's no effing there's, way they right. can make a 50 50 right. i can tell you that right, right now they're just not going to do it now if they have but an 80 20 with a 19 inch front and maybe a little bit longer suspension and you know they put a bunch of farkles on it and call it done I mean, that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, if you farkleize it, so if it's a BMW style thing, so far, farkle is a very common term for GS owners, right? Yeah. They put all, it's tour tech crap all over their bikes. They weigh them down even further than, like, I need all this protection. Yeah, because you just made the bike heavy <laughs> and, and you're going to crash it because it's so heavy. If you just left all that crap off of it, it would probably be better off. It's like a, it's like a feedback loop it, where it it's is. like, well, it's I made my bike circle. heavier, so I got to put even more protection on it. But that made it heavier, <laughs> so I got to put even more protection. Just... <laughs> so if they do something like the bags is a common problem, like mine. That was it. I mean, those bags are weak. They're plastic. Yeah. They're great for road to a point, right. but they're side loading. And none of the, I mean, that's the first thing any of these, these, well, I'm going to say in quotes, hardcore ADV riders, like mm -hmm. get on the forum, ADV riders, you can't have plastic bags, right? I'm like, no, yes, you can. You got to have, you can't have a 17 inch front wheel. Yes, yes, you can. You absolutely can. I wrote a freaking Panigale thousands of miles with tkc 80s on it in the dirt and it's fine right you but it's not great it doesn't work that well and for most people they want to be able to do that stuff at a skill level that's a little bit lower right they want the machine to be able to make up for it yeah that's where the the problems rise make taking a taking a multi-strata current multi-strata putting tkcs on it and going and mobbing it isn't as easy as going out on a stock box stock gs or certainly not the ktm which is an excellent off-road machine right i uh i i think that's what they're up against they're up against that and so what i my expectation is is that if they're going to go full adventure they're going to they're going to really have to to suit that part of the market the farkle market right so i'm 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 very interested in it i have to admit is, is it something that i would look at buying i don't know i you know i mean can we even say at this point because we don't know what's coming out well, I understand that, but if it's if they're plugging this with this video and they mm. you see the dirt flying, it's got to be something that is that is focused that way. Oh right? no, I get that. I I mean, I'm I'm in my head. I mean, we've seen enough rumors in the Italian press about uh, an adventure or an off-road uh, component to the Multistrada. We've seen some stuff in the American press. I think uh, Sean McDonald from Lane Splitter had a story up uh, last week about it. So I mean, this is something that's been cooking for about sure, a month now and, sure. and you know i've heard some rumors about it too nothing i was willing to post and i on, hadn't but, heard anything yeah. until frankly until that sean mcdonald thing when i first saw the picture which was kind of a, a poorly done rendering yeah. of of a multi with like you know dirt wheels i'm like now they're not gonna do that but the more we started to hear the, then it started the boiling it's like ah right some somebody's got some inside info and then the video came out today and i was like that's got to be it yeah yeah we'll see what it looks like i'll be curious. unless it's a dirt Diavel, I don't think that's going to happen. 
But that gives uh-huh. me my idea for next year for sure for dirt quake. I yeah. want to take a dirt Diablo, Diablo. Dirt, dirt. That'd yeah. be awesome. Put some uh, knobs on it. Figure that out. I don't. I can't put knobbies on the rear, but I can do something. <laughs> oh, no, there's no space. I'm gonna I'm gonna sipe the shit Just out rains. of the tire. Well, yeah. I don't think you want to put knobbies for for that. No, I, no, no. I, have you done I, it on knobbies last year or this year? Nope. No. You either got either have reins or but for me on a Diablo because it has that big ass tire. Oh man. So I'm gonna have to sipe the shit out of one. I'll yeah. do it. I would love to. I've got to convince a couple people that might be Diablo owners that I could do that. Yeah. Maybe we can do that for a start. There's no way. No. There's no way. No. Well, well yeah. No, no. <laughs> There's no way. Not I don't know, that. man. X. It's the Diablo X, which I think is worth chatting about real quick. You want to talk about it? If there's, so there's, there's, there's again, part of this video series with the X and, uh, I'm going off of the, the, uh, uh, spy photos that we've been seeing, uh, trellis frame more prominent instead of the kind of funky, ugly tre- trellis that they had on the Diablos for years that doesn't doesn't suit the look that, of that the, is an improvement isn't it that they that they've made on that bike sure that makes it looks more like a monster it looks like it's a smoothed over cruiser monster instead of this monstrosity Ooh. that they've had for, I mean I've never liked the Diablos I just haven't it's I don't like the way they look at all I don't like they're fun to ride super fun to ride they're great don't they like work pretty well, well. they yeah. give they they pinch my sciatic nerve or no, something no yeah you can't do long rides no on. but that's but, why the whole like Diablo Strata I was like no. Well, no. I don't. Forward controls do amazing things. Like it would probably work better for me. The irony is that it probably worked better. And that apparently these things are going to be forward controlled, or that's what the the spy shots look like. Right. Steel tank that is more of a tank. I mean, that was one of the the most beautiful things about Ducatis for so long was that their tanks stood out on they they like they like were the the icing on top of the trellis frame. Right. So to have a Diablo, which is all this plastic crap and same with the Maltese all all over the years, they just went into plastic crap fairings instead of a proper fuel tank. It's funny how that one thing is such a major styling cue, but a like a Ducati monster, first year monster fuel tank is one of the most iconically designed things on any motorcycle. So seeing the spy shots makes me think it's going to be kind of like that. I think I think the thing is, is. And we're digressing, but fuel tanks aren't fuel tanks anymore. They're airbox covers. Yeah, sure. Because the fuel tank's somewhere it else. It can now. be, but you know what? Yeah. A Panigale fuel tank is a beautiful piece, and it is an aluminum bitchin' weldment fuel tank. And yeah. it is shaped nice. And it, like if you have one just out, oh my God. Yeah. You want to talk about the scrambler at all? Um, or should we move on? We're, we're yeah, get, we need to move on. Let's move on. Uh, MV Augusta thing came out today. Uh, leaked f- video, actually, of all things. MV Augusta Brutality 800 getting a, a bit of a redesign. I uh, saw you popped it up on Asphalt and Rubber. There was yeah. a picture, and it, uh, you know, it's like it's, in, it, it's it's nothing new under the sun. It doesn't even look like they'd changed the chassis. At least they've done an update. But yeah, they gave it a little bit of a facelift, a little refresh. And then how it, old it looks is that good. bike? Is it our? I guess it's already a it's few years old. Pretty now. old. It's about time. So weird to think yeah. about. Doesn't feel like it, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you want to talk old. I mean, what I expect to see, and I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything on it, is the F4 is in desperate need of a refresh. And, is it and re- desperate? I mean, because that bike still as, looks pretty good. Well, I mean, as a, yeah, it is, but it's been around for a long time. It's uh, the as a racing platform, just isn't cutting it. Uh, and that's something I've heard. They've been trying in World Superbike, right? Yeah, and, and that's something I keep hearing from anyone that's racing one. Is like, you know, these are or anyone that's taking them on the track who's not biased. Uh, you know, they're just, I mean, MV owners are, yes. Uh, they're like, they're like Ducati owners on crack. 
they're like almost right up there with like Buell owners. Oh, where you're just like you just can't oh. even reason with them anymore. Um, we should. That's a good podcast. Subject. No man, that'd the be different off the types. The the little subsets. The of different cool, the different right? flavors of Kool Aid in the industry. The Gold Wingers. Oh my God! Right. Oh, the Goozy guys. Oh, anyway, oh I want to get to Goozy. Okay. Oh geez. Okay. Um. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, the, the 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 as a racing platform, it needs an update. Uh, it's it's kind of due for that refresh. It's something I. Th- I definitely thought we'd see for sure at this show. So we'll see if I'm right or not. Haven't heard anything about it though. Uh, in fact, I haven't heard a, much of anything about what they're going to do for this year. And they're pretty good about bringing at least one uh, new bike uh, to Eichma. Granted, it takes them between a year and two years to get it to market once they show it at Eichma. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, they, are they in a good standing? I guess once AMG brought in some cash, they're AMG okay. really ch- was a game changer for them because. My understanding of their situation was when the Castiglionis took the company back from Harley Davidson, they had this idea that they were going to go around to the Italian banks and all of them were going to give them credit, and none of them did. They were basically like, Claudio, we've been down this road many times with you. This and is, the Italian this economy is, has not been The good Italian for a economy long was time. not doing well at all then. The world economy wasn't doing well then. The sport bike market wasn't doing well then. I mean, on so many levels were they not getting credit, it wasn't even funny. And um, it wasn't really until AMG came in and took on a minority stake in the company that it brought legitimacy to them. And they, you know, they got some some more key management people in place. They had the backing of, of AMG, which is the backing of Mercedes. And that helps kind of shore their foundation. And obviously that comes with with money as well. Sure. So that helps. And um, and you were saying at the press, it wasn't a press thing. It was kind of a this is who we are. It was a press oh, this thing. Is, it was a press thing down that in was, down in L.A. down in Fontana. Earlier in the year was that like mid year? Man, I'm already losing track. I think that was really early this year. And you were impressed, right? I was, and and since then, I know a lot of people involved. I've they've been ramping up. They've been trying to get good people. Uh, unfortunately, their their headquarters and or where a lot of them are going is Miami. So that's keeping a lot of people from wanting to, you know, from the industry, the normal motorcycle people on the West Coast. It's like, I'm not going to Miami. Sorry. Right. You know? Yeah. Right. I, I think it definitely think of worse places to be. But Miami does not. Well, uh, yeah, no appealing doubt. Appealing to there, me. Be, so anyway, that from the bottom line is I've been hearing that there's good things happening. And they, I know they have some really good personnel. So they're yeah. trying. Right? When, when the Castiglione's bought it back for a euro, I might add. Um I, de- I definitely started the death clock. I was like, all right, you guys are going to run this thing into the ground. I don't I don't see any future with it. Um, and I can think of an American company right now I have the same opinion of. Um, but they definitely turned it around and are proving me wrong. So good an on American them. Com- an American motorcycle company? Yeah, an American mo- I can't think of that. That you that can't imagine actually doing anything? I just <laughs> can't remember the name. What is it? Huh. All right, so back to MV. Back to MV. So, you know. Um, they're, they're, they're rocking and rolling. I, I like where they're, where their heads at. They're coming out with some interesting products. Um, if they get know. their electronics sorted, that seems well, to be so the biggest thing. That's right? the thing, you know, and like I rode the, uh, Turismo Veloce at the press launch in France and it was like the first MV Augusta, like the electronics, like were fully baked. And I was like, this is, this is a fully baked motorcycle finally from this company. And the good thing about electronics these days, you can retroactively upgrade them and everything. So sometimes yeah well i mean kind of all the mvs are kind of the same i from my understanding as far as like electronics go yeah but the interface that everybody complained about say on the on the oh. f3 
You're not getting around. No, that. no. The 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 dash is a yeah. nightmare. They need to find a a, U, a UX a UI person that can sit down and sort that out because there is no way you can discern uh, uh, information from those things while you're riding a motorcycle. Like I remember, like the the largest number on. So when you think about a dash, like the largest number should probably be your speed. And, and, and that changes if it's like a track. Sure, thing. sure. And but from a street standpoint. It really standpoint, actually does that really yeah. well where they have like the different dashes for street and and, and racing. And Ducati. You, when you, yeah, when you change true. modes and you go into full race mode, yeah. you don't see the... And yeah. they and they change. They kind of change what the most important information is for you. When like MV, I'm trying to remember what the largest number is, but it's not the speed. It's like the gear that you're in or, yeah. or what traction control number you're in. And then like you try and like see your, your trip meter, you can't even read it. Uh, I can't even read it when we're at a stop. I got to like get down and look at it. And it's not like I have bad vision. It's just, it's just a mess. It's just got to be rethought out. And yeah, you can't go back and fix that with software, but you can fix throttle maps. You can fix traction control settings. You can go back and those were the things that were really, really the issue. I can over, I can almost look past the dash. It's just indicative of a larger problem, but I do feel like, like, especially that, that Turismo Veloce was an awesome bike. It's an 800, which is kind of weird, but it's an awesome bike. Hopefully, maybe that's something they grow and expand upon this year at ICMA. I don't know. It'd be cool to see. Um, but, like, it's one of those things where, you know, I'm starting to understand the brand. I'm starting to get excited about brands. It's kind of like one of those things when, when um, you know, I meet with the people from MV to USA. Like, you know, I'm excited by what they have to say or instead of, like, being extremely skeptical. I think there's still a lot of proof in the pudding. I think there's a lot of basic legwork they have to get done. They got to expand out their dealer network. They got to get their support network better. They got to start getting these models to market on time and, and, you know, basic industry stuff. But I feel like they're moving in the right way. Kind of like KTM. I think KTM has got a little bit more figured out, but Envigus is, I feel like they're on the right way there. And, um, you know, time will tell if, if they sort it out or not moving on from there. Piaggio yeah. group stuff. I don't have a lot on that. Maybe a new RSV4. I think we're going to see that for 2017 though. Uh, don't know too much about Aprilia and I can't imagine they're going to do a new RSV4. Uh, not now. Yeah, I, after re, after showing up, what is the oh, man? I can't remember. FF or RR or whatever the the RF. RF. There we go. Sorry, sorry. Uh, I'm pretty. You need, you sure. need to get. You need to bone up on your non Ducati models. We're gonna, uh, we're gonna send you back to school. Bone up. I well, I have to bone up on the AXBXYZFR. Right. All I don't the. Know. Well, so that's 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 actually an interesting point. And I was looking at the Aprilia lineup before we started the show. And there's so many. I think that's the issue. There's so many models there that have been around for so long that you could you could expect an update from the Doors of Dura. You could expect an update from the Shiver, from the sure. RSV4. The Tuono just got the 1100cc engine, so it's kind of good for like another year or two. But I know there's uh, there's been some talk. I know they're, they're kind of targeting a 220 horsepower power figure for the new RSV4 or whatever they end up calling it. So that's pretty wowsome right there. And the, the bodywork needs to be updated. It's it's not bad looking. No, it's it's stood stands the test of time. But 2009, it's long tooth. I think it's just going to come down to how serious Piaggio is about it. And um, the only thing we've seen so far teased is is the new Moto Guzzi V9, which you know I didn't even see that. It that came out kind of today. Uh, it's it's like the V7. It's just that longitudinal. Uh, 90 degree V twin, like every goozy, you know, hit you hit your knees on it. Yeah. Um, and it's just that kind of like it's it kind of goes against it kind of slots in with like the Bonneville, the water cooled Bonneville, Sport Classic. Yep. Uh kind of thing that neither you or but I are legit. really into. It's not a freaking fake finned 
water pumper parallel twin crap. It's actually legit. It's a it stays to its roots. Yes, its roots are <laughs> agricultural, but that engine has been a very similar. They've iterated on that engine a lot. It looks pretty darn cool. It has a very mechanical sound, a mechanical feel. I, I, I'd much rather ride a Guzzi than any Triumph derivative thing. So I, I'm excited about that. I haven't seen the the nine. The seven's okay, and I've heard lots of good. Lots of friends that love Guzzi's enjoy that bike. It'd probably be good to have a little bit more punch, so if that's what's going on there. I got to ride a Convert last week. I don't think we talked about that. Do you know what a Convert is? No clue. <laughs> it's an automatic Guzzi. What? No kidding. I got to ride an automatic motorcycle, my first one. It was very cool. Bizarre. It's a weird experience, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. No clutch. It didn't yeah. like, oh, friend Jack Price in in austin let me ride it so i'm have a goose i have a goosey bend i like goosies i enjoy them. oh i can totally see you have a goosey oh, totally. bend you are that level of strange i am but i'm not the Pinnacle level of weird. strange where i'll go to the shop and ask for used spark plugs because you know used spark plugs are, that's okay to put my goosey that's what people used to go to pro italia they'd ask us for do you have any gaskets that you used up that, that scraped off that are still good i'm not kidding you those are goosey guys <laughs> All right. You want to talk about stereotypes? Moto Guzzi riders, I think, are, are they probably the best fit more stereotype. of a stereotype than any other one? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think it'll be interesting to see what comes from comes from Aprilia and and Moto Guzzi and Piaggio and Vespa, even. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm not a scooter guy, but yeah, yeah. For, it's it's always strange for me because like they they always have like the largest show space at ICMA, and it's almost always for like no new models. You're just kind of sitting there like. Hey guys, here's our bikes that we've had for the last, you know, 20 years. Yeah. Take a look at them. It's too bad. But they're, they're showgirls. They're little girls that sit on the, on the bikes. Sure. Always dress the classiest. And I like that. So not the normal, is the word you use trope? Yeah. Yeah. So it's not the normal. It, it's very, it's tasteful. Super sexified. I'm not saying that I like the whole girl on a bike thing at the trade show. But, but if you're going to do it, you're going to go down evil, that dirty road. Yeah. They at least, they get them, they, they look like they got that designer thing going on. They look like they're going out on a Friday night on a hot the, date, but the not, they're not going to give it out tonight. You're going to have to work for it later. Okay. You know, they're, they're sure. just, they're just, they're very attractive and, and. It's that they leave a lot to the imagination, which I like. Yeah, Whereas like Kawasaki, they, I mean, you're lucky if they're wearing clothes. <laughs> just, and they probably aren't. They actually just have body paint because that was a thing for some, a long that, time. That was a thing for a while, uh -huh. you know, and thank God Piaggio didn't go down that route. Um, I don't know why that brought that up. That's weird. Moving right along. <laughs> <sighs> How do you recover from this tailspin? Triumph. Uh, Triumph. I think we can get through Triumph pretty quick because we've already seen... The new speed triples, they yeah. released that with like not a lot of information, which is really weird. Yeah, but you know what? That looked like a pretty good, like the update they did, the headlights, all the stuff doesn't, I'm, I'm intrigued and there are a lot of changes. So I, you know what they lack in Bonneville, they make up for in speed triple. Fair enough. Yeah. Cause the Bonneville we've already <laughs> shit all over. I'm, I miss Triumph having something in my soul wants to see a big thousand from them. Like a triple thousand. Triumph. Right? Tri so here's, I think, if we want to like whittle down our argument on, on Triumph for Icma, I want to see something from them that gets me excited about the brand again. I'm not into the whole heritage thing. I'm not into your 
Bonnevilles. I'm, I'm not even that excited about the Speed Triple because you haven't really done anything yeah, that different with it. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Yeah. And as far as I can tell, the only other real surprise we're going to see is a Tiger Explorer 1200 that's going to get a similar kind of little facelift. And you're just like, yeah, great. Like, give me a bike I'm genuinely excited about. If they came give out me... with a big, gnarly, triple super bike, I'd be Oh, stoked. my God. I just sploosh. Just done. I, I was... I started a 955 today for the mm. first time, and I, I hadn't been on one of those in 15 years, right? Started it up, just revving it. Fuck, sound great. I'd you love know? to own a triple. Triples are neat, I'd and, I, and I do triple. miss the 675 I had, but a bigger one is even better. There's something yeah. about, like, it's like an old Laverta. There's nothing like an old Laverta or same as an old Ducati. There's yeah. something about these big, gnarly, not over square engines that just make good sounds. And yeah. that 955, and that's a that's a fairly old machine, late 90s, bitching. So I'd love to see that. I yeah. think that would be cool. Not the same old fucking four cylinder superbike, right? Right. If I can Tarantino the conversation again, I'm totally waiting for like an F300, uh, F3800. And via Augusta to fall off the truck for a track bike for me. Yeah. That would be cool. You'd, you'd be pretty happy. I'd be that, happy right. with that. Um, moving right along, the Japanese manufacturers. I think we saw a lot of that at the Tokyo Motor Show. I think we can breeze through it pretty quick. Um, so we're not going to see a new Honda V4000 mm, at the uh, I don't Eichmann? think so. I mean, there's a little bit of scuttlebutt about that. There's a little bit of rumor, but I feel like we would have we would have seen more. Uh, and I haven't heard too much I know. on the I'm racing just, side. I'm just wishful thinking. But, but that's the thing. Like People are hoping for a cheaper version of the RC213V-S. Yes, You're looking for what, what Nikki Hayden's going to be winning on in 2017. That's what I'm looking for. That and that Man that, bun and all. Everything I've heard, assuming Hayden still has the ride in 2017, because my understanding is he's got a one-year contract for Superbike right, with sure. options Fingers and stuff. Fingers crossed. But my understanding is that's when we'll see a new bike. So we'll yeah. 2016 we'll be on the same old CBR. 2017, bitch a new ride, and you know hopefully Kentucky Kid World Champion. But we'll see that that's the whole thing, and that's just gonna have to. Other sort than that, out. Honda's already said here's our here's our Africa Twin. Yeah, it's probably gonna be a bunch of other smaller bike stuff. But and we'll probably see an Africa Twin Touring, which you know will be just a kind of an iteration. Okay. Uh, hopefully we'll see the CRF 250 Rally. It's been trademarked oh, yeah. in the U.S. That was really cool. I like that. I, I remember you. We, we had, you had pinged me that you wanted to talk about it, so I wanted to bring that up. Oh, I I just it excites me because we got into a full troll fest with a, a friend of ours on. Oh, on Facebook. I saw that. I stayed um, out of that. She had posted the picture of it, and she was like, "This gets me going." And I hadn't seen it yet. It was from your. It was an asphalt and rubber thing, right? So I'm I'm looking at, and you know, somebody was poo pooing 250cc dirt bikes. And as a person that owns a CRF 250X and has for six years and hasn't outgrown it, perfect size. I, I know that the 250 that's in this this rally is probably more akin to the the street bike 250 engine. Right, it's that's fine. Nothing wrong with yeah. that. It you know it doesn't need to be. Um, uh, a long distance tour. I mean, that was the whole point is that it's light, but then has a little bit more fairing and a little bit more fuel capacity. I, that's just, that's really cool. Cause I, ha having a 250 CRF and then an XR 650 L I have the two kind of extremes there. Right. So this would be kind of right in the middle. Would I want, I don't know if it would be a bike for me, but boy, would I want to have a go on one? Yeah. And then my friend who had posted this picture, she is smaller in stature and would want a bike like that then it's but not a 650 she get on a 650 and i mean i can barely tippy toe on my 650 
because it's it's jacked up pretty bad because it's a you know I have it worked over to do major more dirt bike than street bike, uh, that that's not good for a rider like that. But they still want to get on a bike like that. So I, I think it'd be an interesting thing. I'm very excited by it. Yeah, me too. I think it'll be I think it'd be good for the marketplace. I think it'll get people. I mean, we see that every time I post something about an adventure bike, I I invariably get some hardcore guys like, "Oh, you can't go off road with that bike." And this is the bike they want. They want a 250 cc adventure bike or they want a 450 cc adventure bike which that'll be the next iteration hopefully from honda they'll get a crf 450 rally for for customers because you can already buy yeah. one if you're a privateer yeah but it's probably but it's 50 grand or something, yeah that's right? that's very much know. an hrc thing and and some people got a little messed up when that started happening they were thinking it was a, a consumer version it's not it is a race bike if you're gonna go race the there car no you put in the order a year beforehand yeah. you say this is what we're gonna do yeah. and here's my race credentials no numbers the, on the right. on the frame yeah. this is something this that's is a race machine yeah. which is bitching and that's what honda used to do with all kinds of stuff yeah and i like to see them get back into it right so yeah. that's neat i don't know probably an interesting thing to research i don't know if if the legal state of the of the industry allows that anymore really yeah sure but i'm um, you know there's always things away right i don't know that. drop ship something from japan to freaking argentina seriously yeah it's not like we're talking about doing it in the u.s oh yeah i mean that's what i mean but like you know like could you really get like a privateer bike out here probably not no um moving on yep yamaha uh, i'm pretty sure scuttlebutt is r6 I don't think we're going to, we would have heard something about it. You know, this rumor of the three cylinder R6. I think that was started with malicious intent, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I, I shouldn't say it was started. With yeah, it was started. It was started to find the like moles. They were trying to find the moles. There was something. There yeah. was something there. I don't know. Um, it would be cool if that happened. I think, I think it was problem with the uh, FZ9. It's a triple FZ09, right? yeah. Yeah, I think, I think there was people that got that mixed up when yeah. that started. Could be. Yeah, anyway. I mean, I would love to see a new R6. I think it's time. Uh, we saw the R1. I think there maybe might wait for the R6 for next year. Yeah. It could happen. If it happened, it wouldn't surprise me. Let's put it that way. I think we can expect two new bikes. I think one of them is going to be an MT15 because uh, we've seen just tons of spy photos of that. And that's a 150cc, probably not going to come to the US street bike. Um, what else shows up? I don't know. Uh, I'll be very, very curious to, to see. Electric um, bikes, the ones that we talked about. I think I think those would have debuted okay. at Tokyo. Okay. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk that they were supposed to come out. They're actually already supposed to be out. Obviously, they're still rethinking that, um, and that's the hard thing with the Japanese manufacturers. And I'll kind of preface that as we go through that. Things that we see in the Tokyo Motor Show, it could go either way. That could be, um, you know, like like Suzuki had that that turbocharged yep. engine that we talked about last episode. You know, I could see them showing the engine in Tokyo and then showing the bike in Italy. And that wouldn't be outside the realm of possibilities. I believe we will see the bike next year in Italy. Yeah. Um, because there is no Tokyo show next year. Oh, it's, it it's, it's in every other year oh, okay. or it could be at Intermont because it, Tokyo motor show and Intermont swap years. They swap, back and okay. forth. So I could see that coming out and I think that's the reality. And that goes the same way with like the Kawasaki S2. We saw the, um, the concept for it at the uh, Tokyo Motor Show. Now, that one I would actually believe we would see at Eichmann just because it's been rumored, it's been out there long yeah. enough so that we're talking about the 650cc supercharged street bike that um, won't look, hopefully won't look as radical as the H2. I was going to say hopefully. I like the way the H2 looks. I don't think you do. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah. I just don't like the fact that it's fat. I kind of like the way it looks. Yeah. Well, I like the flip flats it's and weird. slats and stuff. Yeah. I, I like it because it's weird. I know you like it because yeah, it's weird. Sure. You're kind of weird like that. But I was disappointed that it's not skinny. Yeah. Um, 
Oh, we got to talk about everything that's going to come out from Eric Beal Racing. Stop it. Too soon? Stop it. Too soon. Okay. Uh, but I think we should talk about victory. Yeah, yeah, sure. So That's the antithesis of what you just said. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> so the scuttlebutt is we'll see some liquid-cooled uh, machines that are sporty, something maybe based on that uh, Project 156. Obviously, I, th- I shouldn't say the word based because that bike yeah. was such a one-off. Yeah. Roland Sands basically looked at a Panigale and built it to work with that Victory motor. And obviously, that's not what Victory is going to go do. But we could see something of that uh, ethos where it's a sport bike with this special water-cooled V-twin engine sure, that they raced sure. up Pike's You could see they're, they're, they've got a lot of gears turning there. Yeah. It's, it's neat to see. Uh, for for me, the idea that they maybe are going to have a lot of money behind putting, you know, getting sport oriented bikes out there. Yeah. Even if it's kind of, I'm hoping. I just got my fingers crossed. I I do like the idea that they would have an American sport oriented thing. I'm not saying they have to go make a super bike. I no, get it. No. But no, even no. if it was sport touring and a couple of that are sport intent bikes, I, I think it'd be very interesting. And seeing what they've done recently, like I was in a restaurant. Looking up at a, a TV, you know, it's like a sports bar's place. I look up and I see a victory symbol on a drag bike. I didn't even know they are funding a drag team that is racing against the Harley Davidsons and all those engines. They're in this, and it's like top fuel. Yeah. None of them are Harley Davidson. These are the these are like nitro burning, no, bespoke. No. It's all very engines, much marketing. Right? Like with the because I remember the um because I was such a TL freak. They used to have a couple oh, yeah. of TL drag bikes, and sure. none of those were TL motors. Nah, like, right. It's just like whatever body style, whatever marketing sure. fairing. Sure. And that's what they're they doing with the victory. It. But you know what? Yeah. That's cool. They're putting it in front of it. Same with the Pikes Peak. Even though that whole effort was uh, yeah, bizarre. It, it was at least they're trying, right? And I like that. I think that's cool. At least they're trying. And they weren't afraid to go out there and fuck up and fail. They weren't afraid of it. They're ready to take it and go. And I think that's a, that's admirable. So I like seeing that in the company. And I, I applaud them for it. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting. I'm, Victory is very much like, to me, the anti-cruiser company. You yeah. know, in the sense that, like, you know, obviously yeah. they're making cruisers, but they're not trying to be a Harley Davidson. They're trying to do their own kind sure. of modern twist. And I think if you just kind of extrapolate that into other uh, segments and other regions in, in the, the motorcycle industry, I think it could do very well for them. We saw them, like they've basically rebranded the Bramo impulse R R no, no, impulse R. That was the other thing that I, right. yeah, that's right. That and was so the other thing. They're playing with electrics. They're playing with, you know, street bikes. I think there could be some, some interesting things coming down the it's line. It's Polaris, right? Yeah. I always get this confused. Yeah. So Polaris has Indian and to, victory to do some, to most of the, normal Indian American is their man, right? their answer to Harley Davidson. It's like, it's a brand that's older than Harley Davidson. It's got just as much history, just as much Americana. They're going to go do that whole heritage. Yeah. But they're missing thing. like 30 years of, wow. of the same shit. <laughs> wow. I guess if you look at a Harley, for the past I mean, does it really change the price of bread? I just, I just stepped on my own foot with that one, but yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. But the, but yeah, the scout, I haven't ridden one, but it does look like a pretty, and that is not, that, for, that's for 10 11 grand that's outside of the box uh-huh. uh, for for that crap that's outside of the box right i i'd rather have one of those than a freaking bonneville i'll say that right now yeah i haven't heard i haven't heard amazing things about the the scout build quality reliability side of things but 
I haven't heard like horror stories. I don't either. know anybody that. I mean, I only know one person, Andrew Wheeler, and he yeah. loves his. Right? He does. So I don't. I and I I know a bunch of the people that are involved, and they're all really cool enthusiast people. Seriously, that are marketing whatever. When, when I when walking around Laguna Seca uh, with my parents, going to the going to all the different manufacturers to just go look. Those those guys were the they. I had my Ducati gear on, and they were all chatty and we had a great conversation because they were enthusiasts like true enthusiasts which i i appreciate yeah yeah it'll be interesting i'm very curious to see i don't know do you think they're gonna have something at inner at uh at eichma i think the 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 156 i'm gonna call it the 156 project 156 i think they're whatever that bike is i think that'll be at eichma okay yeah cool um hopefully they have other stuff or i mean it'd be nice if we if they debuted some of that stuff at either aim expo or ims and maybe yeah. i mean ims obviously is still kind of going on we haven't had the long beach show yet we haven't had new york yet those are usually like the two ims yeah, locations where might you might maybe, see maybe but not really but they need it'd be nice to launch some of that stuff in the u.s market but i i get why they would go abroad with it sure um i think the last american company i want to talk about is alta motors they're the electric startup alta alta they used to be brd Oh God, I don't follow that stuff, so I don't know. But yeah, yeah I remember you you being very enthusiastic. This is the Bay Area. Well, they're all yeah. a bunch of them are Bay Area, but this yeah. is like San Fran proper. Yeah. And they made good dirt bike supermoto bikes. Yeah. And now they've rebranded as Alta. Yeah, and they are now Alta Motors instead of BRD. Um and they've got that Redshift MX and Redshift SM, the first one being the motocross bike, the second one being the supermoto. And uh that should be coming out in Q1 2016. I don't think they're going to be, I think they are going to be at ICMA. I should probably know that, but they may or may not be at ICMA, but I definitely wanted to get them in the conversation since we're talking about electrics and yeah. things that are going on in that space. And they're finally, it sounds like they're finally committing to that, that delivery date. And, um, I know they were just out racing, uh, last week at the, uh, Sacramento, uh, uh, Supermoto USA round blew away the competition in the 250 CC class huh. came in second in the. I don't want to call it an unlimited. There's a special name, but it's the the pro open, four, open unlimited 450 class. Where do the, you know? Do you know where they race? Like Prairie City? Do you know? Do you have any idea? Uh, in Sacramento, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. All right. But um, so it did very well. It was it was a muddy day, muddy and wet in the rain, which really seemed to suit the electric. So, um, the iron. Cool to see that uh, an electric. I mean, it only makes like 40 horsepower peak. Um, chewed up the competition. Hmm. So. It's. Uh, I had a long conversation with them today, so it's on my brain. Sounds like you need uh, to get a demo of one of those. Things. I rode the prototype. I was one of the first. I'm out. sure you did, but yeah. it sounds like you need to get a demo up here to working go on play, it. go yeah. Browns camp, right? I'm working on them. Okay, we'll see. I don't know. Love to ride one. Yeah, it'd be fun. Uh, if we, I'm sure if we got down to the Bay Area, we could go ripping in Terran. I like to ripping in the Terran. Yeah, I know you do. Uh, I think with that, we should probably We're wrap done. up this show. Okay. Uh, I think we blitzkrieg through it, so hopefully. By the time this podcast comes out, we'll probably have a day or two before we figure out how right and wrong we were. So hopefully we get a pretty good report card yeah, on that. Yeah, that's kind of the fun part, right? Yeah. To revisit. Yeah. Uh, and that's always, and this is, you know, like I said, it's it's the Christmas time for me. It's all the new bikes. It should be the Christmas time for any in, in motorcycle enthusiast, really, because there's so many new bikes that come out. Eichmann is a place where so much wheeling and dealing gets done. We'll hear about other things beyond new models, you know, partnerships and deals, and a lot of gear comes out, and a lot of industry moving and shaking happens, so... Uh, we'll have a lot to report. You should keep your eyes out on asphalt and rubber for it. I will be probably not sleeping the week that this podcast comes out because I'll be trying to keep up with all of it. So, um, you should definitely shoot us an email to keep me up and, uh, conscious. You can do that at two enthusiasts at 
asphaltandrubber.com. You should be following us on Facebook and Twitter, subscribing to us on iTunes and SoundCloud, leaving your reviews on iTunes. If you uh, are super awesome and want a high five from Quentin, you'll leave a five-star review. But we do appreciate constructive criticism. I should say, you know, we're not just going to go out there and pander for your your votes. Totally want to hear how we can make this podcast better. You just have to give us five stars when you do it. Excellent. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's not biased at all. No. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Matt, Mike, and Andre for emailing us. Uh, Hopefully you got our responses and uh, we answered your questions. So you can hit us up on on Facebook and Twitter too. We're we're always checking for for messages, and um, I think we definitely have a couple shows we want to do based on some of the stuff we've, totally. we've been hearing. Yeah, once once the hubbub from all this industry. Yeah, stuff I think we got to wait for this. Down. We'll wait. We'll probably do a post Ikema show, and then um, it'd be the holidays. I think we'll have to figure out how we're going to do the holiday yeah. stuff, but we'll start getting into some of these um, more kind of esoteric topics. I think on the podcast sounds to, good to, to me. get through the doldrums. So I think with that, um, Quentin. Kick stands up. Time to it. go. Yeah, still doing it. I like that I can cue you now. I've got you trained. You're my little Pavlovian dog. Oh, cue you up. All right. Well, good talk. I'll see you out there. Hello, I'm Jensen Bueller. And I'm Quentin Wilson. And together we are the Two Enthusiasts Podcast. Quentin, we've got a super big show today that I have to come back to because I have to talk about the social media because I screwed this up again. (laughs) But it was good, though. I got the intro in. Yeah, you did. Oh, nuts.